The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, October 31st, 2021, on the basis of Daniel 3, verses 16 through 28. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. The moment of truth. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. It actually comes from Spanish, from the sport of bullfighting. In bullfighting, it refers to the very last moment of the fight, the moment when the matador, the bullfighter, needs to prove his courage and his skill and end the fight. He picks up his sword and his red cape, and he runs at the bull. At the very last, last second before the horns would hit him, he leaps out of the way bringing down his sword on a specific spot behind the bull's neck. If he hits it just right, the bull will slump to the ground, harmless. But if he misses by even just an inch, the bull will become enraged, and the matador's body will be exposed to the horns. For the matador, the bullfighter, the moment of truth is a moment that decides life and death. Today, we're focusing on the last of the five solas, Soli Deo Gloria, glory be to God alone. Today, we'll follow three men as they face their own moment of truth. They'll have to decide, do they want to obey God or will they obey the king? Will they live or will they die? It's a moment where their faith will be tested with fire and it's a moment that each and every one of us face as well. The names of the three men are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't from Babylon originally. They were from Jerusalem, the holy city. King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had come and conquered Jerusalem, and he had taken off all the promising young men with him, and that included Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the land of Babylon, they quickly rose to the ranks, the ranks of the king's court, and they became wise men for the king, gaining honor and glory. And things were good for a time. But one day, King Nebuchadnezzar commanded all his high officials from all across his kingdom to come to Babylon. On a plain outside of Babylon, he built a massive 90-foot statue. And there he assembled thousands and thousands of people. The command was simple. When everyone heard the music, they were to bow down to the statue. This was Nebuchadnezzar's moment of glory. This was his crowning achievement. He had spent years building his empire, years conquering nations and defeating kingdoms. And now he was bringing all of these people together under one king and under his gods. The trumpets began to play, the harps, the strings, and everyone began to bow. Everyone except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Word quickly spread, and the king summoned the three men before him. He was angry. He demanded, why didn't you bow down? But he gave them one more chance. He said to them, if you bow down, everything will be forgiven. But if you don't, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not apologize. They didn't back down. Instead, they stood firm, 
They proclaimed that even if God would not save them, they would still remain firm. They would honor him rather than die. Nebuchadnezzar went from angry to furious. He heated up the fiery furnace seven times hotter than usual. He found the strongest men in his army to carry off the men into the furnace. The fire became so hot that the men who carried them died because of the heat. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the flames. When you hear a story like this, it's natural to think, what would I do if I was them? Would I be brave enough to stand firm in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, or would I try to save my own life? Would I glorify God, or would I run? That's a choice that Christians throughout history have faced. It started with the earliest Christians. There's a knock at the door. The father goes and opens the door, and outside of his house stands a battalion of Roman soldiers. They're on a mission. The mission is this, to make Christians give up their faith. They give the family a choice. You can either offer a sacrifice to the Roman emperor and prove your loyalty to him, or you can be thrown into the arena with wild animals. What would the family choose? It's a choice that centuries later, a, Greek monk, uh, a German monk named Martin Luther would face. He sat at a table. In front of him were all of his writings and works. In them, he professed his belief that he was saved by grace alone, by faith alone, and Christ alone. But across the table from him sat the most powerful men in the world, and they gave him a choice. Either you could take back all of your writings, all of your work, or you'll spend the rest of your life hunted like a criminal, like an outlaw. If you were ever to be caught, you would be burned alive. What would Martin Luther do? It's a choice that Christians today face in other countries. Where it's illegal for Christians to gather, they still gather together in homes. They're hungry for the word of God. But suddenly the door is kicked in and the room fills up with soldiers. They're told everyone who's a Christian can leave. Those who stay behind know what awaits them. They'll be dragged away from their families and thrown into prison. Will they stay or will they go? What would you do? I know it's a hypothetical question. We live in a country where we have religious freedom. You can believe what you want. You don't have to worry about soldiers hunting you down. You don't have to worry about being thrown in coliseums or arenas. You don't have to worry about prison camps reserved for Christians. But what would you do? Maybe for us, the furnace feels very far away. But maybe it's closer than you think. A young Christian man goes off to college. For the first time in his life, he's on his own. He's surrounded by different ideas and different people. And he's exposed to the world of sex, drugs, and alcohol. He wants to be cool, he wants to fit in, he wants to be popular, so he's faced with a choice. Will he join in with everyone else, or will he stand firm and be an outsider? A Christian couple starts a family. They want to be like all other parents. They want to give their kids the best, so they sign their kids up for everything, for sports, for activities, for events. Pretty soon, the weeks become full of practices, games, and activities. Soon, even the weekends begin to fill up, and they're faced with a choice. What will they do 
about Sunday mornings? Will they do what everyone else does, or will they stand firm? A pastor is beginning to feel the heat. He's been at his church for a while, and the numbers of the congregation keep getting smaller and smaller. Some members in the congregation think that he's behind the times. He's too worried about theology. He needs to loosen up a bit. He needs to get caught up with the times. The pastor faces a choice. What will he do? Will he preach the truth, or will he preach what itching ears want to hear? You see, every day we're faced with the same choice. Will we glorify God, or will we glorify ourselves? Isn't it easier to just do what everyone else is doing, to go with the flow, to talk the same way our coworkers and our classmates talk, to do the same things they do? But when you whittle down all these choices to the bone, you face the same challenges that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. You can choose to stand firm or run. You can face the flames or you can save yourself. You can glorify God or you can live. So what will you do? As Nebuchadnezzar turned away from the flames, maybe he was expecting to hear screams, cries for mercy, but instead all he heard was silence, the crackle of flames. He turned around to look at the fire and his jaw dropped. He turned to his advisors, didn't we throw three men into the furnace? His advisors nodded. Then why are there four and one of them looks like the son of the gods? He shouted to the furnace. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out. The three men came out of the furnace and the king and his advisors hurried to examine them. They looked at their clothes, their hair, their skin. There wasn't a burn mark. There was not a scorch, not even the smell of smoke. In awe and wonder, Nebuchadnezzar praised God for saving the three men. It's a miraculous ending to the story. God swoops in at the last moment and saves the men from danger. The men get the best of both worlds, right? They get to glorify God and they get to keep their lives. But of course, we know that God doesn't always swoop in to save the day. He doesn't always rescue Christians from danger. There's plenty of blood that testifies to that. You can read about those Christians we talked about earlier who were put to the sword and dropped into arenas with lions. You can find reports today of Christians being kidnapped and executed, of having their houses and churches bombed in other countries. Even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego admitted that they didn't know if their God would save them, even though they knew that he could. So I guess the question is, why should you be willing to stand firm for God? Why should you stick out your neck for Jesus? Why should you be willing to go through hardship, suffering, embarrassment, shame, maybe even death for a God who may or may not decide to save you? I think you know what the answer is. Some things are worth suffering for. Some things are worth dying for. A man once remarked that people will die for two things, for those that they love and for what they believe. 
and you have both. You see, I look at my son Henry, and I know that in a moment, if he were ever to be in danger, I would do anything and everything for him. I would even give up my own life if I had to. And mothers and fathers, I know that you would do the same for your children. I know husbands would throw themselves in the way of danger for their wives. Brothers for sisters, sisters for brothers, friends for friends. You would go through anything for that person, endure everything. You would even suffer through hell for that person. And that's what Jesus did for you. He saw your condition. He saw your state. He knew you were destined for the fires of hell. But he chose to suffer and die to save you. He took off his heavenly crown. He set aside all appearances of divinity. And he came to earth to suffer and die for you. And he endured the worst of what the world had to offer. He wandered from town to town without a home, without a place to rest his head. He was constantly chased and harassed by his enemies. One of his closest friends betrayed him. And in the hour of his greatest need, when he needed his friends most, they left him. But it wasn't just that. It was physical pain, too. A whip tore the flesh off of his back. A crown of thorns was slammed into his head. Nails were driven into his hands and his feet. But every step of the way, with every choice, with every sacrifice, with every bead of sweat and drop of blood, he was thinking about you. And his death does everything for you. It changes everything. It kicks the doors of death off of their hinges. The gates of heaven swing wide open to meet you. It doesn't matter what tomorrow brings. Persecution, suffering, embarrassment, tragedy, shame, even death. Nothing can hold heaven back from you. Jesus takes your life and he gives you purpose. Life isn't about living it up, getting what you can while you can. It's no longer about prosperity, promotions, success. You aren't defined by what other people think of you, your boss, your friends, the neighbor down the street. Instead, your life is defined by the Son of God, Jesus, who gave himself and everything up for you. You would do anything for him because he's done everything for you. So what will tomorrow bring? You'll have the strength to meet it. Jesus gives you the courage to face whatever tomorrow might bring. He's the one who gave courage to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand against the furnace. He's the one who gave courage to those early Christians as they faced down lions. He's the one who will give strength to the Christian college student. He's the one who gives strength to the church who stands firm in the midst of culture. He's the one who gives strength to the Christian family who goes against the flow. Because even when we are faithless, our God will remain faithful. Nothing can separate you from him and his love. So brothers and sisters, we press on towards the goal. We press on to take hold of what God has promised lies in store for us. And as we pass through the flames on our way to glory, we glorify the one who did everything for us. And when at last we reach our heavenly goal, 
will join in the song of saints and angels. Glory be to God alone, forever and ever. Amen.